Well, that is the question we will be asking over the next five weeks. Who needs God? My name is Joe. I'm the next-gen pastor. I oversee the kids, middle school, high school, a bunch of random stuff. Uh, So if this is your first time here, please know that I am not the normal speaker. Come back if I really stink today. But uh, Justin will be uh, kind of finishing and wrapping or doing the series for the next four weeks following this. But the question, who needs God, especially when you're in the church realm or in the church world, is almost like a rhetorical question, right? I bet I could point at any of you and I would get one of three answers. I would get everybody. Like, everybody needs God, duh. Or you would get me, like, I need God. Or you would say, my crazy neighbor, right? Like, they all need God. And and so when asking that question, especially in the church world, that question is like, duh, everybody. But right now, it's actually, we're we're living in an interesting time. And in fact, it's been the last couple of decades. We're, We're living in this rising movement that, that people have been seeing and they've been studying and, and trying to figure out what to do with it. And it's called the rise of the nuns. Now, I'm not talking about these type of nuns. Um, I'm not saying that. What I'm talking about is that people that would check the mark, none, when asked, what, what religion are you? It is the people that would affiliate themselves with no religion at all. Now, when people check this box, the nuns, they, they could mean that they're spiritual. They have some type of spirituality uh, with them, but they, they don't technically have a religion that maybe they believe in the, the universe is God or there's a higher power and they can't describe that higher power or define that higher power or they believe that we're all connected to a higher power or God or the nun just could simply mean, I don't believe in God. And so as we kind of dig into this question, who needs God, we got to talk about this, this rising movement of the nuns. Now, if you're sitting out there, you're probably like, well, it's the Gen Zs. Like, it's the people born after 2000. These are the people that are kind of walking away from religion. It was all the millennials' fault. It was all Joe's fault, that, that generation, those millennials. But statistically... When we look as the studies are coming out and as they surveyed masses of people, they've actually saw that the rise of the nuns is happening in every generation. And I have a, a statistic up here, and it's going to be hard to read this kind of this chart. But if you look at the chart, there's this little uh, kind of lines and gaps. Can we get the chart up? There we go. There's these little lines and charts. Those are the gaps of people, like between the lines and the generation of people, year after year, there's an increase of people saying that they are checking that nun box. People are associating themselves more and more with nuns. And yes, it includes you boomers. Like, they they are saying that they are just, they don't want to affiliate themselves with any type of religion. So as I I was processing this and I was thinking through, like, how could this be as a church, as a pastor, what is going on? I started thinking about my own little friend circle. I have friends that grew up in a Baptist household and and probably even classified good parents and and did everything right as, as by the books and 
But now, as they're older, they're like, yeah, like, I'm not really a Christian. I'm not really, I'm just spiritual. I'm I have a different type of connection with God, and they would almost fit in that nun category. And then I have friends growing up with in high school uh, that were considered atheists, blatant atheists, didn't want anything with God, but as they got older and had kids and got married and experienced and started really having different experiences in life and went through some hard times, they're like, yeah, there, there is a higher power. I just... There's no way that we can know who that higher power is. And, and they would classify themselves as the nun. And then I have friends and even former students that were the, the ideal youth group kid, right? Like the, the kid that knew the Bible verses, went to the Christian school. But as they went through life, they've experienced other Christians in their life. And they experienced... Uh, people's actions, and and they said they don't want anything to do with it. And they walk away from their faith completely. This generation, the previous generation, and your generation, when being asked who needs God, is responding, not me. And year after year, they're they're responding, not me, at a higher rate than the year previously. Why? Why? First of all, I love statistics, and, and this is, like, we need to study statistics as a church to really see what, what trends are happening and, and how people are uh, in the church and what they're, what they're doing within the church. And, and so I kind of started looking at statistics for uh, uh, Gen Z because... Uh, they're, you know, the, the ones in the middle school, they're the high school, they're the upcoming generation, they are the now generation, uh, the people that are making an impact. But as I was looking at Generation Z, it's not just Generation Z, but we're noticing that every generation is attending church less. They're praying less. In fact, they're, they're, we're seeing this trend where they're, they're treating God as like fine china. You know, fine china you keep in the cabinet. You pull out on special occasions like Easter and, and stuff like that. Or, and then they put it back. But God was never meant to be used kind of like fine china. He was meant to be used like daily dishes. The glass that you grab for a, glass, uh, a cup of water and then you put it in the sink right away and your parents yell at you. Like that type of use. When looking at Gen Z, it's actually really interesting. They actually have, when, when they surveyed Gen Z and they surveyed a, a bunch of people um, in the Christian faith, and Gen Z actually has the same amount of attending as their parents do. When they did the survey, Gen Z said for, 44% of Gen Zers that considered themselves Christian said they attended church at least once a month. That was 44%, and their parents were 43%. I don't know how that works, but, um, but, you know, you can make the conclusion like, oh, yeah, parents are bringing their kids, like they can't, you know, drive or, or whatever, and then they're coming to church, and so they would classify that. But the next statistic is, is really interesting. Surveying these same parents, 43% of the parents would consider their religion very important. Like, it, it influences their day-to-day life. It influences how they think. 43% said very important while only 24% of teenagers said it was important to them, that it would influence them in their decisions. And even more than that, only 20% of Gen Zs 
report that they're praying daily, taking time out of their, their day to, to either pray or, or meditate on God, and while well, 48% of parents do that daily. And so we're seeing this, maybe they're attending church more or the same rate as their parents, but their level of importance of their relationship with God is not there. And so we were like, well, maybe it's just, you know, my first conclusion, they're just not mature enough. They haven't experienced enough life yet. They haven't experienced, you know, some real struggles or battles, or they haven't really have developed fully in their thinking. But then I was like, well, maybe the church just sucks. Maybe we're just putting our head in the sand and ignoring the writing on the wall as these trends are coming out. Here's even more, uh, more recent uh, statistics and trends that are happening. It is with the live stream and technology and the church's use of, of social media and stuff like that. Here's the most interesting fact. Uh, the older you are, the more likely you are to engage with your church on social media. And you're like, but Joe, the younger generations, they're the ones that are grasping to social media. That's where their, a lot of their identity is. But statistically, they're, they're not engaging with live streaming. They're not engaging with, in comments or, or anything like that. It's the older you are, the higher percentage, most likely you would engage your church through Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or any other social media site. And even more than that, because of COVID, because of the pandemic that we're, we're living in right now, after everything gets lifted in the bands and hopefully we go back to normal and, and hopefully we don't have to space out as much uh, pretty soon, they're saying, they're, they're predicting that after everything kind of somewhat goes to normal and people are able to feel safe coming back in the church, that church attendance will be average lower than what it was pre-pandemic. And a lot of that has to do with the online streaming. Now, there's nothing wrong with online streaming. We, we, we're totally all in on that, right? There's nothing wrong with it, but a lot of people are using it as a check mark that they attended church when church is about community. It's not about watching something. It's about engaging I love Justin because, Justin, if you've been here uh, any amount of time, Justin always talks about uh, how we upgrade the live stream. Like, we, we finally got our, you know, Brian not to sound horrible uh, on our live stream. You know, before we were doing this dinky webcam and, uh, you know, rigged audio system that I had to come up with, and it just sounded horrible, and we upgraded it. But Justin always said, Joe finally talked me into it. But the, the truth was, Justin wanted you to miss church. That's, that's the truth. He wanted you to miss the interactions. He wanted you to miss the conversations. And not, not that, you know, we didn't have the finances to do it, but he was like, you know what? I want people to miss being here. I want people to miss being greeted and talking with me and coming in and having conversations with each other. And in fact, studies are beginning to show that that the spiritual health of the church, the spiritual health of individuals, as the longer, you know, COVID happens and when COVID's over, it, it's shown that it could potentially be hurting the church and the spiritual growth of the church all over the country by live streaming. Like I said, nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong. 
but it's never the way God designed it to be. Maybe in five years I'll do a talk uh, and see if, if more information and see if I'm true and can come up and, and say if I was wrong or not. The nuns are on the rise. The question of who needs God isn't, shouldn't be asked as much as why do I need God? As a church, this has to be taken very seriously. Everything that I talked about needs to be examined. And, and I bet you even some of the statistics that I was throwing out there, some of you are feeling that. Maybe you just couldn't put numbers on it, but you can kind of observe and world observe and kind of see how things are unfolding. And people, what we're asking is, people are asking, why do I need God? People don't see a need for God. And so we should be asking, why are people thinking like that? Why do people see the God of the Christian faith as not needed, or even not there, or not real, or doesn't care? So today we're going to look at Paul, just for a really quick, Paul um, was a disciple of Jesus, and he wrote a lot of the New Testament, wrote a lot of letters, a lot of different um, letters to different churches. And his story should amaze us. This guy went from killing Christians. He was a high priest. He had the robe. He did it all. Like, this guy was high up in society. And then he totally did a 180 and switched to spreading the gospel. If you don't know the story of Paul, I recommend go through Acts and read it. It's, it's just amazing. Start around Acts 9. And, and Paul's story is just tremendous. I mean, this guy went from having everything to nothing. He went to prison. He was beaten to the inches of his life. He, he was probably even seen in the Jewish community as a traitor, all for the message of Jesus, leaving everything behind, giving everything up. That's Paul. And we read that story and we're like, yeah, that's awesome, right? And we learn a lot and we take a lot from that. I would have to say this, though. If Kim Jong-un, like if you don't know, he's the dictator of North Korea. We, most of us would be like, he's an evil dude, right? Um, if he came out and he confessed that Jesus was Lord, and he told everyone, he's like, listen, I got this Bible. Jesus is my Lord. Like my heart is changed. And, and he, he starts to kind of say like, like, Jesus totally radically changed me. Things are going to get better that he was going to do everything right and make peace, and he was going to do all this good stuff, uh, all because of the change that he experienced in Jesus, I bet most Christians would say this, yeah, right. This guy's nuts. Like, you, you, we would say, yeah, right. We wouldn't believe it. I'll have to see it to believe it, Right? I'll have to see the change to really know that Jesus grabbed hold of this guy's heart and radically transformed it. And then it happened to Paul, right? Paul radically changed. People saw the change. They heard the change. Paul fully committed everything he had to Jesus. The message of Jesus is powerful, like the gospel and, and what Jesus came to do and his, his forgiveness and his love. Like, that is 
powerful within itself when you hear it. It can make any heart that's broken healed. It can make any knee bow. But when someone who shares the good news is living out that good news, well, there's no greater proof than that. No one can disprove change they see in a person. You can't say Jesus isn't real to a person that has totally radically changed. You can't disprove the change that they, you see in them. And Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Listen to this. Some of us need to hear this. Is this. The old has gone. I'll say it again. The old has gone. One more time. The old has gone. Why? Because we have truth. We've experienced something more than what we have. We've experienced something more than what we can provide for ourselves or what the world can provide for us. Jesus gave us the ability to leave our old life behind because he gave you a new one. But so often, we go back. So often, we don't give it up. So often, we don't live out this promise that he has given us. Like, this is a promise that he has given us. Imagine Paul experiencing Jesus, getting knocked off the donkey, right? Going blind and getting healed. Imagine if he went back to being a Pharisee. He went back to the high priest, he wore the robes, tied the little boxes on his head and arms and all that stuff, and, and, and rocked back and forth and prayed and, and did all that stuff. Imagine if Paul went back to doing that. What if Paul went back to being Saul? After hearing from Jesus, after having that, that great experience, who would follow the unchanged man? Who would listen to his words? Who would listen as he preaches change, as he preaches the love that Jesus brought, as he shared the message of Jesus, who, who would follow him? Listen, Jesus came to give us this new life, and that's why we love baptism, because it's a physical representation of what's happening in our heart. It's a physical representation of dying to yourself and being risen into a new life, and that's why we celebrate here. Understanding this passage in 2 Corinthians that the old has gone and the new is here and it's a promise. It's a promise that Jesus offers us. We are a new creation and under Christ we should embrace that. That we don't have to go back to our old ways. I'm going to get on a soapbox for like 30 seconds, right? Uh, I think the, the church has really lost this word repent. Some of you maybe cringed a little bit, right? Um, because we think of people holding signs and yelling on the street corners, repent, repent, right? And I also think it has a negative association uh, with the church. So we don't use it much. But repent is this rich and deep word. Not only does it mean to turn from evil, but it means to turn to God. 
It means to do literally a 180 degree turn to change our focus, to, to focus on him and to not go back. Paul was the perfect example of doing a 180 degree turn to focus solely on Jesus. So why is there a rise in the nuns now? Why is there a rise? I, I think most people through all generations, no matter what generation you are, are hearing people declaring themselves as Christians through all forms of media, right? YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, in person, on street corners, at protests, in their living room. And I think if they fall in that nun category, they're saying, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Just like we would say to Kim, Kim Jong-un, right? So why is the nuns are watching? The nuns want something authentic. In, in some ways, they aren't seeing it. Here's what we need to know as a church. Here's what we need to kind of challenge you as we move forward to kind of understand that the nuns haven't left God because of who God is. They have left the God we've been showing them. The nuns haven't left God because of who God is. They have left the God we've been showing them. You are a new creation. Embrace it. You know the truth. If you've come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've, if you've come to know the promises that he has offered to you, embrace them. Repent in some ways, right? Do the 180 degrees. Focus on Jesus. Turn to him. And people will know. It says this in John 13, 35. By this, everyone will know you are my disciple if you love one another. If you give of yourself. If you see someone in need and you meet that need. I'm not just talking about physical need, but an emotional need or a mental need. If you see someone, love them. It says right here very plainly, Jesus knew that by your love, they're going to know. And we're only able to love like Jesus because we are a new creation. And I love this one. Uh, it's in Acts 4. Peter and John are speaking to the crowds. They're preaching. And they're talking to the crowds. They're interacting with the crowds. And in Acts 4, verse 13, the crowds kind of respond like this. It says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, Ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They knew Peter and John were with Jesus. They knew Peter and John were followers of Jesus by the way they spoke, by the way they interacted with the crowds, by the way they knew that they were ordinary men, unschooled men, fully devoted to Jesus. My challenge to you is we kind of start this new series. Like I said, come back next week. This, this series is going to be more of an apologetic series. So we're going to ask uh, some tough questions, and, and Justin's really going to break it down for you. 
Um, he's going to, you know, pain and suffering. We're, we're, we're going to dive into some, some bigger topics. But my challenge to you as we prepare for this series is this. It's a more of an introspective question. I want you to ask yourself this. Are people seeing more of you or more of God? When people study your life, are they seeing more of you or more of God? Are they seeing the new creation that Jesus came and died for and rose again for? Are they seeing the new creation that Jesus declared you to be? Or are they seeing the old you, the old habits, the things that you held on to? Because you thought maybe they would bring me joy. They would bring me happiness. Jesus makes it very clear. They'll know by our love. People will know us by the way we spend time with Jesus. And that's why I love Acts 4. They will know when we've been around Jesus. They know when we spend time with Jesus. In a world that makes God less and less visible through all forms the world should at least see God in you. The world should at least see God in the church, in the world's place of hope. As we kind of progress through this series, there's some of us in this room that are committed Christians, and this series is meant to encourage us, it's meant to challenge us, um, as we're living in a world of skeptics. This series is, is more of a, like I said, an apologetic series. We, we should feel encouraged for the, the reason of our belief that, that the case for Jesus can be made. And then there's some of us in this room where maybe we classify as a nun. Maybe we've been hurt in the past. Maybe we've seen Christians online or Christians in person or, or family members not living it out. And we, we were like, yeah, where, where's the change? What, what has Jesus done for us? But we just want to encourage you that over the next four to five weeks, we want to show you who God reveals himself as. We want to show you who God declares himself as and maybe not the people that you have seen living out as Christians. So my encouragement for you, no matter where you are, if, if you have questions, um, if you're on that fence line of nuns, uh, email us. You can go to our, our fieldstonechurch.org, fill out a contact thing, and you can ask any questions you want. I'll give you Justin's cell phone number. You can text him anytime, any question you want. Right, Justin? Um, but, no, but we, this is a series for you to ask questions. We might not have all the answers. We might not give you the answer you like, but we're going to do our best. And so we encourage you, come for the next four to five weeks as we kind of dive into kind of an apologetic series and asking the question, who needs God? Let me pray. God, you are great. Lord, and I pray if there's anyone in this room right now that is maybe in that nun category, maybe is kind of questioning their faith or maybe doesn't have a faith, or that you would begin to work in their heart, because we know that if we seek you with our heart, all our heart, all our mind, all our strength, that we will find you. And I pray for that courage for anyone out here that is 
that is having those questions. God, we love you. And we pray this all in your son's name.